Hi there, and welcome back to Conversations with Father Greg, with an episode for Sunday, September 19th, 2021. In this episode, we hear a bit more from the Epistle of James, which addresses how we live together as a community, particularly as a community of faith. Let's start off with the reading of Scripture. James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will be also disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your own cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The Word of the Lord May I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, hi there, everybody. This summer, my family and I celebrated seven years in our current home. It's a nice place, and I genuinely looked forward to the move, but it still took a while for it to feel like home. During our first few months here, there were two or three times that I would drive home and find myself absent-mindedly pulling into the driveway of our old building. What's the old saying about old habits dying hard? Well, that hasn't happened in a long time, but it got me to thinking about habit and this idea of muscle memory. The other day I read a statistic that it can take anywhere from 18 to 254 days to form a new habit. Apparently, it takes the average person 66 days to make a habit automatic. If we're honest with ourselves, we all have some good habits, as well as some that are less than great. Many people also have some things that they just do automatically, without giving it much thought. But what if we stopped and thought about those things? What if we made some time each day to be a bit more intentional about our lives? Many years ago, I learned a little bedtime routine that has helped me to do just that. I begin by recognizing that each day is a gift from God and ask God to be present as I consider the day's events. I think about the day's events that I'm grateful for, considering all those things that brought me joy, 
those times that I felt loved, and where I may have glimpsed God at work. What things challenged me to grow and learn? I give thanks for all of these things. Then I consider those places where I may have fallen short or not been at my best. Have I treated someone poorly? Did I lose my temper? If so, I seek forgiveness. And lastly, I think about the day ahead, asking God to help me be a better person than I was before. Spending a few minutes with these questions every day helps me reflect on the day. But these questions are meant to be more than a walk down memory lane. These questions help me be grateful for the good things and ask for help in the situations that did not go as I wish they had. Lastly, these questions encourage me to seek God in the day ahead. Today our epistle reading is the third in a series from the letter of James. What I love about the letter of James is that it offers very practical advice for living in community. Last week, we heard James' advice about communication. Often our words reflect what's going on inside of us. We can use our words to build others up or to tear them down. We can use our words to either heal or to wound other people. And last week, we considered the importance of learning to filter our words so that our honesty is tempered by compassion. Today's reading builds on what we heard last week and invites us to look even more closely at what motivates our interactions with other people. James refers to the conflicts and disputes that had been happening between the members of the faith community. He asks where these disagreements were coming from. He then goes on to encourage his readers to do everything with gentleness, wisdom, and peacefulness. He tells them to set aside things like bitterness, deviousness, and playing favorites. Avoid being mean-spirited and jealous, and instead, seek out what is best for other people. If our words reflect what is important to us, then our actions bring those things to life. One scholar summarized James' advice by saying that it's the way that you live not the way you talk, that counts. This reminds me of a motto I once saw, some time ago, which simply reads, Deeds Speak. If that's true, James is asking us what it is that our actions are saying. But listen, it's all well and good for James to write these things. The challenge exists in finding ways to apply James' advice to our lives. After all, it's one thing for James to write that we should set aside bitterness, but that isn't always as easy as discarding an old sock. If I've been genuinely hurt by someone, setting aside bitterness probably sounds a little trite. So where does that leave us? What are we to do? The first way that we can put James' advice into practice is by doing what my grandmother would call keeping short accounts of our relationships. Don't let things drag on. Address anything that needs to be addressed. 
One way to do that is by being attentive to what has gone on in our day. Celebrate the good, but also be prepared to make amends where necessary. Earlier I described one tool that helps me to be more attentive, but there are countless other ways. Find something that works for you and make it a regular practice. Listen carefully to yourself, to others, and to what God may be telling you. If you suspect that you may have hurt a friend, even if it was accidentally, do not hesitate to make things right. Go out of your way to keep relationships in good standing, because people are worth the effort. But what if you have been on the receiving end and someone has hurt or offended you? Well, at first blush, the response is similar. Once again, keep short accounts. Admit when you've been hurt. Take a moment and then speak to the person, but do so carefully. Approach the person calmly and try to avoid hostility wherever possible. Do your best to avoid making universal statements like, you always, or you never. This kind of language puts the other person on the defensive and is simply unhelpful. Instead, try to give them the benefit of the doubt. They may genuinely have no idea that they hurt you, or if they did suspect that something was amiss, they may not realize the severity to which you have been wounded. I know that it can happen because it has happened to me. Last week, I recounted a story in which I had been completely unaware that I had hurt my friend's feelings. I will say this. Admitting that I have been hurt can be a very challenging thing to do. It can take both courage and vulnerability to tell another person that they have caused me harm. But again, the relationship is worth investing the effort. James reminds us that whether we have caused an offense, or if we have been offended ourselves, we are obliged to seek reconciliation and restoration. There are times, however, that reconciling a grievance may not be possible, and that could happen for any one of a number of reasons. We may have lost contact with the person due to time, distance, or maybe even by the person's death. The other person may not be interested in reconciling with us. And of course, there are some relationships that need to be severed for the physical safety of one or more of the people involved. Lastly, the wound may be so profound that we cannot find a way forward together. If we have exhausted every possible effort to reconcile the relationship, and yet we have been unsuccessful, there may not be many options left. But it bears some honest examination. Have we done everything within our power to reconcile a fractured relationship? If the answer is yes, and the relationship is fractured beyond repair, then we need to find a way to move forward. That way forward will likely involve prayers for healing and some honest soul-searching. 
It could also include talking through some of those hurts with a trusted friend or even a professional counselor. However, Scripture is clear that whenever possible, our first goal should always be seeking ways to reconcile ourselves with others before our relationships become so fractured that they are irreparable. Let's pray. O God, who draws near to us and whose nature is revealed in the person of Jesus, give us grace and compassion in all our relationships. Help us seek what is best for each other and reconcile when things get difficult. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.